Well, good morning, Lighthouse Baptist Church. Good morning. It's so good to see all of you today. Let's start with a word of prayer. Dear God, thank you so much for the Christmas season. Thank you, God, that because of Jesus, we can know you. We thank you, God, that because of Jesus, you're God with us. God, we thank you that because of Jesus, you've made a way where there was no way before. God, we want to say thank you today, God. And as we look at what Christmas means, God, I, I believe it will draw closer, draw us closer to you and make it impossible for us to not celebrate Christmas. We love you, God, and we thank you for Christmas and what it means. And I pray, God, that as we look at our, our sermon passage for today, I pray, God, that you will help us to understand what it is you want to say to us today. Speak through me, dear Lord, and we love you, Lord. We thank you for hearing our prayer. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Okay, so our text today, if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn with me to 1 John 1, verses 1 through 4. So 1 John 1, verses 1 through 4. Okay, so it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it, and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. So, we are officially in the Christmas season, right? Now, November 27th, 12 o'clock a.m., everybody officially just went straight from Thanksgiving straight into Christmas mode. Some of you were in Christmas mode during Thanksgiving. I won't, I won't speak badly of, of you, but I, I kind of wait till 12 o'clock, November 27th. But whatever, Thanksgiving is over, and it's now time for Christmas. And I think... A lot of people started celebrating Christmas as early as they could this year because it's been a pretty tough year for everybody. And we were looking for something to celebrate. We were looking for something to rejoice in. And so now we have it. We have Christmas time. That means we can turn on our radio and listen to Christmas music. That means we can put on our Christmas movies and make hot chocolate and pour the whipped cream and all the marshmallows we want in there. That means we can drive around, going around and looking at Christmas lights that people have on their houses. We can do all of those fun things that we associate with Christmas. We can celebrate Christmas, and we should celebrate Christmas. But a lot of times, even though we know what Christmas is about, and what is Christmas about? It's about Jesus. It's about the birth of Jesus. We know the technical answer for what Christmas means and what it's about. But a lot of times we can know that Christmas is about Jesus being born, and we can say, I don't want to tell anybody this. I don't understand why that matters. I mean, I see the manger scene, and I see the little baby Jesus, 
but what does a baby born 2,000 years ago have to do with me, right? We sing hymns and we sing songs about a heavenly, beautiful child away in a manger, and we say, yay, a baby was born, but why do we celebrate that every year? Well, our text today is showing us why we celebrate that baby being born. It's, it's showing us the meaning of Christmas. And in first in first John chapter one, verse one, look at what he says. He says, that which was from the beginning. We're celebrating that which was from the beginning being what? Heard by us, seen by us, touched by us. That which from the beginning is what? Is God. God is from the beginning. In the book of John, he says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Matthew, when it talks about Jesus being born, it said, this happened to fulfill what the prophet Isaiah said, what the Lord spoke through him, that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So essentially, the reason we celebrate Christmas the reason we celebrate that baby being born is because it means that God is with us. Do you see that? Jesus is God incarnate. What does incarnate mean? Carnate means flesh. Incarnate in the flesh. Jesus is God in the flesh. But we hear that and we say, what does that mean for me, right? What does that mean for me? Well, that's what we're going to look at today. What it means for us that in Jesus, God is in the flesh. If Jesus is God in the flesh, then that means that when we hear Jesus, we hear God. Do you realize that? When we hear Jesus, we hear God. And a lot of times, when people talk about Jesus, they talk about the things that he said and the things that he taught, they say, well, Jesus, yeah, he was a great teacher, but that's all he was. He was just a great teacher. He had a lot of good ideas about God. You'll hear that outside a lot. But Jesus, he was not just a great teacher. Jesus wasn't just good at talking about God. Jesus was God talking to us. Do you realize that? Jesus was God talking to us. Listen in the book of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 28 through 29. After Jesus had finished teaching, it says this. It says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. He spoke with authority and not as their teachers of the law did. How was his teaching different from what they were used to? When other people taught about scripture, how did they teach about it? Well, they said, I think God means this, or I think God meant that. But Jesus never talked like that. Do you realize that? Jesus never said, I think God meant this, or I think God means that. Why not? Why would Jesus speak with authority? Why would Jesus speak as if he is God? Well, I'll give you an example. Growing up, uh, my parents, I'll just tell you this, their favorite band growing up is the Eagles. Who here knows the Eagles? My parents love the Eagles. I love the Eagles now, but growing up, not so much. And we would drive to Florida, which would take like a whole day my parents would play the Eagles. Me and my brother would go, no, no more Eagles. We're tired of the Eagles. You know, but they love them. And I've grown to love them too. And as I've grown to love their music, one of their most famous songs 
is Hotel California. You know that song, Hotel California? Now, growing up, my parents would say, oh, the Eagles, when they sing this song, I think they mean this, 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 this. But as I got older and started listening to their music myself, other people would say, I think Hotel California means this, 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 this. And I realized everybody's hearing the same song, but everybody has different thoughts about what that song means. Now imagine if I was able to meet the remaining members of the Eagles. Imagine if I was able to talk to the Eagles and say, guys, you know that song, Hotel California? That's such a good song. What did you mean when you wrote that song? What is that song about? What if they said, well, I think it means blah, 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 blah. Or I think it means this, this, this. That would be weird, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be weird? Why would that be weird? Because they wrote the song. If they wrote the song, they shouldn't have to say, I think it means. Now they can say, I know what it means. Why? Because I wrote it. In Jesus, we don't just have someone speaking about God. We have God speaking directly to us. I'll give you another example. In uh, high school, we read, we read way too much Charles Dickens, in my opinion. That was so incredibly boring to me. But we read Great Expectations. We read A Tale of Two Cities. We read A Christmas Carol. We read all those stories, and our teachers would talk about Charles Dickens' stories and books. Now, this is a stretch, but just imagine with me if one day Charles Dickens walked into my English class. Wouldn't that be so much better? Wouldn't I be able to ask questions about the text and have more confidence about the answer that I was being given? Why? Because the author would be there. And this is what Christmas means. Christmas means that we can hear directly from the author. When you hear Jesus, you're hearing God. And why did the apostles write down what Jesus said? Why did they write down direct accounts of what Jesus said? They did that so that when you read your Bible and you look at what Jesus said, you can hear what God is saying to you. You can hear directly from God because you can hear from Jesus. And Jesus is God speaking directly to you. So when we hear Jesus, we hear God. But that's not possible without Christmas, right? But also, he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have seen and which we have looked at. Why is that so incredible? Why is it so incredible that we could see in Jesus that which was from the beginning? Well, it's so incredible because nobody has ever seen God. First John even tells us that nobody has ever seen God. Look at Moses. Moses, as close as he was to God, listen to what happened when he asked to see God. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 18 through 23, it says, Then Moses said to God, Show me your glory. Show me yourself. I want to see you. Any worshiper of God, that's the deepest cry of their heart. I want to see you, God. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face. 
for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, There is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Why? Does God just not want to show his face? No. He knows that Moses cannot handle it. Nobody in their sin can handle the glory of seeing God face to face and live. It would kill them. But fast forward to the New Testament and listen to Philip asking Jesus the exact same question that Moses asked. Philip said in John chapter 14, verse 8 through 9, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Now, Moses and Philip wanted to see the same thing. They wanted to see the Father. Why could Philip see it and Moses couldn't see it? Why? Because of Christmas. Philip could see what Moses wanted to see because of Christmas, because Jesus is God in the flesh. God making himself visible to us so that we can know him just as anybody who worships God wants to know him. Because of Jesus, we can see God, because we can see Jesus in the flesh, we can see God in the flesh. But you might say to me, okay, Cody, that's great that they could see Jesus, and that's great that they could see God in the flesh, but what does that mean for me? Well, it simply means this. If you want to know what God is like and who God is, just look at Jesus. Just look at Jesus. And when you look at Jesus, you'll know exactly what God is like. Look at Jesus' compassion, and you will see God's compassion on people. Look at Jesus' anger towards sin and injustice, and you'll see God's anger towards sin and injustice. Look at Jesus' care for those who cried out to him for help, and you'll see God's care for those who do cry out to him for help. Look at Jesus' power, and you'll see God's power. Look at Jesus' kindness, and you'll see God's kindness. Look at Jesus' face, and you'll see God's face. Because when you see Jesus, you see God. And that wouldn't be possible without Christmas, would it? So we see God in Jesus. We hear God in Jesus. And he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have touched with our hands, that sounds kind of weird. Why, why would it be so important that we could touch God with our hands? Well, when you touch something, that means you're in direct contact with it. If I'm on the phone with you and I'm in Dallas and you're in Meridian, and if I told somebody about our phone call and I said I'd touch them on the shoulder, they would say, that's, that's not possible. Why? Because you're not with them. You're far away from each other. You can talk to each other, but you can't touch each other. Closeness. We know that we're close to somebody if we can touch them. So what does it tell you about 
God, if he made himself touchable, it means that in Jesus, he's made himself close to us. But we, we might say, God, why did you have to make yourself touchable? Why did you have to make yourself that close to us? Why couldn't you have just given us more instructions, more commands like we already have in the Old Testament? We didn't just need more instructions. We didn't just need more messages. Our condition was so bad that we needed someone to come into direct contact with us. Instructions are good. You know, this week I got something in the mail and I opened it and it was something that required some assembly. So how did I know how to assemble it? Because it came with instructions. So I was able to put it together. But instructions are good, but they're not always good enough. Now, y'all have probably seen this before, but do you remember those commercials, the Life Alert commercials? Everybody here know what Life Alert is? I feel weird being the one telling y'all about Life Alert. But Life Alert is essentially, you know, kind of like a button that you can press where if you're an elderly person and you fall down in your home and nobody's there to help you, you can press it. And what does it do? It gets you into contact with a dispatcher. Now, when you fall down, if I fall down and I can't get up and I call them and they say, what's your problem? On the commercial, they always say, I've fallen and I can't get up. Now, do they they say, oh no, well, here's some instructions on how to get up. All of these instructions that you can get up. No, they don't say that. Why? Because they can't get up. They don't need instructions. What they need is for them to say, we're sending someone your way. And when someone comes in, what do they do? They touch them. They need someone to come and lift them up, pick them up, because their condition is so bad that they need someone to come to them. And Christmas means that God has come to us when we were lying on the ground and saying, I can't get up on my own. I'm going to die here. God said, no, you're not, because I'm coming. Martin Lord Jones, he put it this way. He said, the Bible's whole case, its first postulate is this, that this world is in such a horrible and completely hopeless condition that the very Son of God had to leave the courts of heaven and eternity to come into this world in order to save it. Messages were not enough. Instruction was not enough. Saints raised by God were insufficient. The world is in such an awful condition that nothing less than an incarnation of the Son of God is adequate to deal with it. We are in such a bad condition that we need someone to come and save us. But the birth of Jesus means that not only is help on the way, it means that help is here. It's here. It's available. When you touch Jesus, you touch God. That's the meaning of Christmas. That God has come to be with you, to save you. And we know the meaning of Christmas, but now we ask, okay, but why do we celebrate it every year? Isn't it enough for me to just hear it once and not hear it again? No, it's, it's not enough. And why is it not enough? Well, John tells us in verses 2 through 4. Let's look at verse 2 through 4. He says, The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. 
we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. He says, we write this to you, we tell this to you so that we can have fellowship with you. He says, we are eyewitnesses of Jesus. We saw him, we heard him, we touched him. And our fellowship because of that is with him. And now when you believe our eyewitness, when you believe what we're saying, your fellowship can be with us and your fellowship can be with the one that we have fellowship, Jesus, the Son of God. And the Father, all of us can have fellowship when we believe that. But what's so confusing is when he says, we write this to make our joy complete. We tell you this, we celebrate this with you to make our joy complete. Now, I'll be honest with you. This week, as I was reading that, I thought, what? We write this to make your joy complete. Isn't this joy already complete? I mean, isn't it enough to know Jesus? Isn't that all you need to have joy? But he says, no, we need to tell others about Christmas. We need to tell others about Jesus to make our joy complete. What does that mean? Why would he say that? Well, I was confused until I remembered something that I once read by C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, he said, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete until it is expressed. It is frustrating to have discovered a new author and not to be able to tell anyone how good he is, to come suddenly at the turn of the road upon some mountain valley of unexpected grandeur and then have to keep silent because the people with you care for it no more than a tin can in the ditch, to hear a good joke and find no one to share it with. What is C.S. Lewis saying here? He's saying that part of the joy, part of the fulfillment of the joy of something is sharing it with others. You may have someone that you're totally in love with, but part of the fulfillment of that joy is sharing them with your friends and your family. You may find a new author of a book that you like, and that gives you joy, but that joy is not complete until you share that author with your friends. You may see a beautiful city or a beautiful mountain valley, but your joy is not complete until you share it. I remember me and my dad, when we went to New York City when I was 16, it was so awesome. What do we do? We took pictures. We recorded on a camcorder. And we went home and we showed it to our friends and family. And it completed our joy. If you hear a joke, it gives you joy. But it completes that joy when you're able to share it and laugh at it with your friends. Part of the reason that we celebrate Christmas year after year is because it completes our joy. It lets us know that we have fellowship in it. We share in this together. We all together can see God, can touch God, can hear God, because we all have Jesus. And when we remind each other of that year after year and celebrate it together as we're doing today and all throughout this month, it completes our joy. It's the fulfillment 
of that joy to celebrate it with each other. So that's what I want us to do as a church, as a body of believers, as we gather together as a church and approach Christmas. Let's walk together in fellowship to the manger. Let's walk together to the manger. Let's surround the manger. And as we together as a church, as a body of believers this month for Christmas, as we gather around that manger and we look at the baby lying in it, we can know that when we hear that baby's voice, we hear the voice of God. When we see that baby's face, we see the face of God. And when we take hold of that baby, we take hold of the God who, through him, has taken hold of us. Let's pray. Dear God, it's only because of Christmas, it's only because of Jesus, that we can know you the way that we know you. You've made yourself seeable, hearable, touchable in Jesus. And God, through the witness and the testimony of John and the rest of the apostles, we can see, hear, and touch what they saw, what they heard, what they touched. And we can have fellowship with them, and we can have fellowship with each other as believers in that. And God, as we celebrate that together, God, it makes our joy complete. You are our joy, and that's what we're going to celebrate today. God, that's what we're going to have a party about today. We love you, and we thank you so much that we were, we're laying on the floor, helpless, unable to save ourselves. You came to us. You saw us. You heard us, and you picked us up. We love you. We thank you for our Savior who came on Christmas. It's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen.